We should make all people welcome within the, within the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think that's what Jason shared with you all about two weeks ago as you looked at James 2, is that every individual, every individual that comes into the church should be welcomed, should be recognized. They should receive the welcome of believers. Someone has said, how many prodigals have we kept out of the kingdom by the unlovely characters of those who profess to be in it? You know, we are people that should be demonstrating the love and the mercy of God to others. I I love the way Bruce Larson said it. And he drew upon the idea of the princess and the frog. You've, You've heard that story? No, you've not heard the princess and the the princess and the frog. If not, Disney made a remake of that thing, cast it in New Orleans of all places. That was an awesome movie, okay? I'm sorry, I got kids. That's about all I know these days, those kinds of movies. But Bruce Larson took that and he said, you know, Christians are in the business of kissing frogs. Christians are in the business of of kissing those that are unlovely and seeing them transformed into the image of Christ. They're able to see what God would do in people's hearts and lives. Well, James chapter 2, again, as Jason spoke to you, said that we must be careful about showing partiality. We should be careful about turning away the unlovely or perhaps being very careful that we don't cater to those that seem to be the loveliest of society. We must be careful about showing partiality socially, economically, or politically. We should be careful. And look at in verse 10. As he follows up that kind of word, he just says this, For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you've become a transgressor of the law. So speak, and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So listen to what he says. He says, first of all, when you have a burden, when you have broken the law in one area, you have broken the whole law. Now, he's speaking about it in context of partiality. He's saying, if you have shown partiality to people because of their social or economic standing, you have, you have broken the whole law. Now, James is not saying that one sin is as bad as another. I want you to hear that tonight. I don't get to kind of mention this, but that is one of the most unbiblical things that I hear people say. And they talk about it, oh, one sin is just as bad as another. No, it's not. And you don't believe that. You're looking at me like, yeah, I do. (laughs) No, you don't. No, you don't. Hey, I'm going to be honest with you. When you think about the consequences, one sin is not bad as another one. I'm, a, I'm not okay with you hating me, but I would rather for you to hate me than kill me. <laughs> Think about it. You go around saying this nonsense, one sin is as bad as another sin. 
When you're talking about consequences, they are not the same. And I've heard some people almost justify their sin taking what, Matt, what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Well, if you, <coughs> you've heard it said that you shall not commit adultery, but if you lust. So in other words, if I lust, I just well as commit adultery. No! What kind of reasoning is that? That's what we're teaching some of our people sometimes. No! That is not, one sin is not as, what he is saying is, is that one sin is enough to separate us from a holy God. That's what he's saying. He's saying if you've sinned in one area, then that means you are separated from a holy God. And I, I share this a lot with people who come to um, talk to me about salvation. Or even a week or so ago, I had a, a young man who came and talked to me about salvation. And I, I drew the little, some of you remember the Billy Graham-like piece to peace with God kind of little diagram. Remember? God on one side, man on the other Remember, there's a great gulf there. And that's because of sin. And even if you've committed one sin, it means that you are in violation of the holiness of God. One sin can separate you. One sin will separate us. Well, that is the reason Jesus came. Obviously, is to bring a bridge to that chasm and to bring a holy God to us, a sinful man. But one sin is enough to separate us from a holy God. So he's just putting it in context. He's saying to you that, you know, the same God who said you should not commit adultery is the same God who said you should not commit murder. If you, you can say, well, I didn't commit adultery, but if you've committed murder, you're still guilty of the, before the law. And put this in the context of what he's saying in chapter 2. Is that if you've demonstrated partiality to people. Then you've fallen short of the glory of God. If, if you have moved people. If you've tried to isolate or alienate, fo alienate folks. Based upon their social, economic, whatever status. Then that means you've fallen short of the glory. That you're in need. That one sin has separated you from God just like any other sin would. Because one sin is enough to separate us from a holy God. And that's what he's talking about here of transgressing the law. But notice what he says secondly. He says, when you are governed by the law of liberty, you should live with liberty toward all. He said, if you have been governed by the law of liberty, then that means that liberty should be emanating out of your life toward everybody you come in contact with. I love this. He says, So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. You and I have been given great freedom in Christ. We have been given great freedom. God has released us from our bondage. He has released us from the enslavement that has come in our lives. We were enslaved to sin, but what did God do? God spoke within us and His Holy Spirit stirred within us in such a way that He opened our eyes and He saved us. And we ought to live with that type of freedom to other, toward others. We ought to know that those other individuals can know Him and can experience Him in the freedom that we have experienced Him. The tradition is not what 
It's not what limits us. It is His Scripture that speaks to us and His liberty which saves us. And we should demonstrate liberty to all people. He said, live like that. Folks, He's not called us to live with a state of legalism. He's not called us to live in a state of tradition. He's called us to live in a state of freedom. And when people come into their, our services, one of the things they need to know is that there is freedom which abounds in Christ Jesus. And they need to know and experience that freedom as they come into our services. And then third, when you demonstrate mercy, when you demonstrate mercy to others, then you declare that mercy always triumphs. Mercy triumphs over judgment itself. And that's what he says in verse 13. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. As we live in freedom toward other people, we live in mercy toward other individuals. Because all of us who have been saved, we have been the recipients of unbelievable mercy. Because of that, we are motivated to show mercy to others. Do you remember the parable of Matthew chapter 18? It's called the parable of the unforgiving servant. It's a story that Jesus gave us, gave his disciples, specifically after Peter asked how many times he would have to forgive others in his life. You can just imagine, like, Peter's almost... He's got this attitude about him like, okay, Jesus, I know you said we got to forget. How many times? I mean, there's some of these people. How many times? And Jesus said to him, he said, I don't say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. And then he gives the story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. And then Jesus says this, So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother. His trespasses. Now, I'm not going to flesh all the story out for you, but you can just hear 
that one which had received all kinds of mercy, he had received an abundance of mercy. And then after receiving it, he goes out. And the, his servant, his, he, he comes to him and he says, he begs for mercy. He says the exact same thing. And what does he show him? Judgment. And Jesus is teaching us and showing us that if he gives us mercy, he expects us to show mercy to others. Why? Because all of us had broken the whole law. Remember, if you had broken one, you'd broken the whole thing. Just go down the line. We're totally unworthy. We were, to- we were totally separated from God. And yet, this Passion Week, what do we celebrate? That God loved us so much that He sent His one and only Son to die for us, to suffer for us, so that we might have life. That if we would believe and trust in Him, we could, we could know what eternal life was in our hearts. You and I couldn't have done it. I, I, I know we hear this all the time, and thankfully we preach this in our Baptist churches, but I think sometimes we've preached it so much it goes in one ear and out the other so quickly. We couldn't have done it on our own. You and I could have never restored the relationship. I don't care how much you tried to climb up the mountain, you would never get, you'd never get to God on your own. But God loved us. And He sent Jesus down the mountain to meet us right where we were and to bring us salvation. He extended mercy to us and forgiveness to us. And what James is saying is if we've experienced that type of mercy, we should be demonstrating that mercy to others. We should demonstrate freedom. We should demonstrate mercy to all who come into our congregation. No matter what they look like, no matter what their social or economic standing, we should demonstrate mercy to all. Because mercy triumphs over judgment. That word triumph is in the present tense. It means it goes on triumphing. It goes on in its victory over judgment itself. The word also can mean something like to boast over. In other words, mercy boasts over judgment any day. When you demonstrate mercy, know that you are demonstrating the victory it has over judgment. And thanks be to God that for us personally and spiritually, that mercy has triumphed over any type of judgment that would come into our lives. Because get this, when I stand before Him one day, when I stand before the Father, yes, as I stand before Him for that final day of reckoning, I will not stand in my own righteousness. But according to what Paul teaches me, I will be able to be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus himself. Because if I had to stand in my own, punishment is due me 
for all eternity. But through the righteousness and the blessing of Jesus, I can have life. I have forgiveness. He looks at me for all of eternity. The mercy has been demonstrated in my life. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And may mercy always triumph over judgment in who we are. And as we relate to other people, may mercy always, may mercy always dominate our lives and help us in our attitudes as we triumph over judgment that would come. It's real faith in a real world. James is getting down to the nitty-gritty. Tomorrow we can live it if we will listen and allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Let's pray together. Father, thank you again for this day that you've given us. Thank you for the excitement. Thank you for the Spirit that is working among us. Thank you for people coming to accept you as their Lord and doing it in many different ways. From the young girl that was, came forward this morning to those that we baptized, to this um, Chinese couple that sought us out Wednesday night. Thank you for showing them that mercy triumphs over judgment. And God, would you continue to work within us and speak to us. Father, I pray that tonight in this place that there, that you would just confront us and some of our ungodly attitudes and God we admit it we admit it that we have those attitudes in our hearts and we brought them in with us and God we pray that you would give us the strength through your spirit to lay them down in this place not to carry them back out of here Father I pray in the days to come that mercy would prevail not only in our lives but Lord as we go out that we'd show mercy to others Thank you for saving us. Help us as we point others to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?